you know, it really looks like the devil's in control, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. It seems like the devil is absolutely in control, but he's really not. And so we're going to see today how we can prevail over the great red dragon. You know, speaking of misunderstanding what's going on in our world, it kind of reminded me sometimes we don't always see the total picture. I was meeting with Chandler and Riley this past week, having some time to counsel, and they told me this. They said, Brother Randy said, little Mila, Jane, went to preschool, pre whatever you call it, preschool, for the first time. And I said, wonderful. How'd it go? Did she cry? And they said, yes. And I said, well, I figured that. They said, no, that she didn't cry when we left her. She cried because we came and got her. Amen. And she wanted to play with some more toys. Hey, look at your neighbor. Say, hello, neighbor. It's all right to smile. It's all right to smile. <laughs> hey, look, we're looking today at a most important passage of Scripture in the book of Revelation and we're continuing our study, prevailing over the great red dragon. And if I'm not mistaken, this is, uh, um, an, I don't know what number our study in the book of Revelation, but I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Revelation chapter 12. And we've got just a couple of more chapters in the Bible. Now, hey, how many of y'all now are, and hopefully by now we're all uh, very familiar with the book of Revelation, in fact, I hope that you can uh, share the insight that we've been talking about in the book of Revelation. That's our goal, that we'd be equipped and understand the times we're living. So in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, we're going to see there are two primary focus points here in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. Now, chronolog chronologically speaking, this is probably in the midway of the tribulation. Stand to your feet, please, as we read Revelation, chapter 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. The word wonder there is the word simeon, which means a sign. A wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Many refer to that as twelve tribes. Verse 2, And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. Who in the world is this woman? Note please these... Uh, characters in God's new world order. There's a woman, there's a child, there's a great red dragon, there's angels, and none other than the saints of God. Notice verse number two again. She being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. Who is this? Let me just go ahead and tell you, the woman, according to many scholars, and I personally lean that way as well, is none other than Israel. This child that's to be delivered is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. But watch what happens in verse number 3. And there appeared another Simeon. The word wonder, again, can be translated sign, or Simeon is the word. There appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. Who is this? None other than Satan. Notice, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, we've already discussed this apocalyptic literature, these ten heads, you can reference it back to the book of Daniel chapter 7. You can reference it to Revelation chapter 17. These ten kings as already described which this little horn emerges from these ten other horns. And this is a description of the end time many believe to be the revived Roman Empire, at least the infrastructure. Nonetheless, these descriptions are of the, uh, the devil himself and furthermore the Antichrist will be descriptive uh, of these terms, chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. Then notice verse 4. This great red dragon, his tail drew, notice the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman. Now who's the woman? Israel, which was ready to be delivered for to devour. The great red dragon was ready to devour her child. Jesus Christ, as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule or to uh, oversee, to rule the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into 
up into God and to his throne. I just want to pause real quick and say the word called up there is the same word that Paul uses in 1 Thessalonians 4 in reference to the rapture of the church. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We uh, spoke about that yesterday at Sister Betty's home going, Betty Daniel. And then notice in verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days, three and a half years. This is, uh, as we continue to read, I'll just briefly uh, allude to my personal opinion about what this means, but not go into great detail. Notice verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. That word prevailed, to be in control. He did not stay in control. The great red dragon, he lost his power. And notice the word prevail there. In verse number 8, that's why I've entitled the message as the Lord gave me this week, Prevailing Over the Great Red Dragon. Look at verse number 8 again. Prevail not against, uh, uh, neither prevail not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great red dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan, Diablo, the adversary, which deceiveth, notice that, deceiveth the whole world. That word deceive, pleno, which means mislead. And I'll tell you what, beloved, even I see many Christians that it's easy to get deceived these days. And I see many Christians that uh, it's easy to get deceived uh, for any of us. So he deceiveth the whole world. And then he was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Can I just pause there and go ahead and give you what the reference, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll save that and let you sit down. Look at verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser. Notice the accuser of the brethren is cast down. That's what he does. Accuses us, the beloved Christians. He accused the brethren before our God, how often? Day and night. And they overcame him, the great red dragon, by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And by the word of their testimony. We're not ashamed of the gospel. And they loved not their lives unto death. That is, Jesus died and rose again. Notice verse 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, that you dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, of the sea. For devil has come down unto you, having great wrath through us, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into a place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, and he caused her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimonies of Jesus Christ. Father, I bless you today. Lord, no, I know nothing without you. And thank you now for this appointed time and we ask you now sweet spirit of God invade us deliver us from blindfolds deliver us father from lies and deception of the enemy I pray you'll turn your light on our hearts help me help us all to confess our sins help us Lord not to excuse and compromise with evil or with the devil or Father God, with the uh, Lord, the way the culture is moving. Help us, Lord, to stand strong in these days. We pray now that you'd uh, fortify us with your great uh, faith, the very faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. I pray for your people, Father, that you would equip us, that you'd strengthen us, that you would empower us, that you would fortify us, dear Lord, in these days. And we thank you that you've not left us in the dark. Oh, God, we bless you. There is a victory, and we can prevail over the enemy even now. So, God, be glorified. Change hearts. Save the lost. I pray you'll stir our hearts. Lord, help us not to get complacent. 
Help us not to be like uh, the church of Laodicea, lukewarm. Help us, Lord, not to be like Sardis, being dead. Help us, Lord, not to be like Ephesus, busy but backslidden. Help us, Lord, not to be like Pergamos, warm but worldly. Help us, Lord, not to be like Thyatira, being, uh, oh, feminine but fruitful. God, we pray now you give us, uh, Lord, that Philadelphia mindset to be mission-minded and uh, Sardis, even though we might... Lord, in the days of Smyrna, the church of Smyrna being persecuted, oh God, I pray, Father, for husbands and wives and daddies and mamas, Lord, that are here today and those listening, Lord, no doubt that are feeling worn down and, and God, the enemy is pulling on us. We pray that you'll loose us, Lord, you'll break the grip of the devil and Father God, you bring us into the light and uh, oh Lord, uh, revive us. Send a mighty Holy Ghost revival across this sin-sick world of ours and even our nation, oh God. Our hearts burden and we long to see our Lord a standard lifted up against the enemy. Lord, we wonder how much longer is it going to be before thy kingdom come and thy will be done. We know that it's going to be soon and very soon. And I pray whatever we have time left, Lord, knowing the devil cities, you said here that it's time short, that God would make use of the time to throw up the lifeline and be witnesses and be good salt and a bright light. In this dark world of ours, thank you for those that have gathered. I pray, God, that they sense your presence in those that we're missing, Lord, in due time, that, God, you'll gather the redeemed, the remnant, God, that would stand as a mighty army, and that, Father, you'd add to the body of Christ those whose heart you've touched who'll be, Lord, cooperative and submissive to the authority of your word, and, the Lord, have a passion to serve you. And, Father, we thank you now for all that you're doing oh god you've been good to us and we bless you today we've entered your gates with thanksgiving and uh, father i pray you'll put joy in our hearts because of your blessings uh, of health and peace and family and oh god resources you've been good to us so now get all there is to us we pray and we'll thank you in jesus mighty name amen amen and amen hey look you may be seated now look, today you're going to have to put on your thinking cap, okay? Because we're going to be talking about some present day events that are going on in our world in relation to this wonderful account in the Revelation chapter 12. I see there's at least uh, two particular categories that we're going to focus on. Number one, watch out because the devil's bad. Watch out because the devil's bad. All right, look at chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. And uh, notice verses 1 through 10. But then secondly, we're going to look at have hope because Jesus Christ is good. That's what the Lord gave me as I give to you. First of all, the devil has been bad. Now let me just jump right into our study today because uh, there are four categories where the devil has really been working on not only the people of God but on the nation of Israel. Go back to chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And I believe you're going to see very clearly what's going on in America today and how it relates to what we're talking about. Notice chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Look at it. I wrote it right up here. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. All right. What in the world is he talking about here? Well, I want to tell you, Israel is in the picture. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast him to the earth. And the dragon, notice, stood before the woman. The dragon stood, the devil stood before the woman, Israel, which was ready to be delivered to bring forth the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, and he stood before to devour her child as soon as it was born. Can I tell you this? The devil has always hated Israel. The devil's always hated Israel. And the devil's always hated Jesus Christ. And the devil's always hated the elect angels. And the devil has always hated Christians, the blood-washed. Blood 
Hey, y'all, look up here just a minute. You know what's going on in our world right now? I'll tell you what's going on. There's an historical event that's going to be transpiring next week, September the 15th, in Washington. It's called the Abrahamic Accord. We're living in days right now. The United Arab Emirates, UAE. You've been hearing the news probably. If you hadn't, certainly this should be informative to you. The devil's always hated Israel. Well, this is transpiring in our world right as we speak. And so this will take place this coming week, this historic event, where, as you see in the picture, the uh, prime minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, and by the way, he's co-prime minister with Benny Gantz, a unparalleled event that's happened in the nation of Israel. And yet, uh, these United Arab Emirates will sit down at the table and negotiate this Abrahamic Accord. Many have sent to me and said, Pastor, is this the Antichrist? Is this that confirmation of that covenant described in the book of Daniel, chapter, 20, chapter 9, verse 27? He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the ablution to cease and the overspreading of the abomination, even of the consummation. Well, I say, no, I do not think this is the confirmation of the Antichrist. Number one, where is the Antichrist? He's not emerged yet. Why? The church is holding back the Antichrist. Paul made reference to that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said that there'll be a great falling away, apostasia. Many translate that as a departure, or perhaps that could be the church raptured, or others translate that as a falling away religiously. Apostasia. There'll be a great falling away. And then shall the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes, exalting himself above all that is called God. So they sit at the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. All I'm saying is this. Right now, there's a restraining taking place. You think it looks like all hell's broken loose in America. We hadn't seen nothing yet. You wait till the church is gone. You wait till the salt and the light of the uh, salt of the earth and light of the world is gone. We hadn't seen nothing yet. Oh, yeah, the enemy's coming like a flood, no doubt, but it's not going to be anything like it's going to be when the church is taken away. And then people who've been deceived will receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation. We've been talking about that. By the way, some of you think this is going to be thousands of years away, that what I'm talking about. If Jesus Christ came back today, he could. No man knows the hour, Matthew 24, 36, and that's in regards to his second coming. If the rapture was to take place today, we're talking about one or two years away, the confirmation of the covenant. I'm not saying this is it, but I'm saying this is a stage setter. Y'all hear me? I said this is a stage setter, and this is in the will of God. This is in the plan of God, and you and I need to know how all this fits into the Scripture. Listen to me, hear me. I do not look at the news and try to make the news fit in the Bible. Rather, I read the Bible and say, this is what the Scripture says, but this is what's going on in our world. There's a vast difference. Hear me, there's a vast difference in what we call news of Jesus, wandering around, looking for certain sensational things and trying to make it fit in the Bible, making all these kind of predictions that most of them are not true and that to turn off to the average people out there that are saying, you Christians, uh, y'all are always making these false predictions and they don't come true. I won't name any names, but you've seen the books that have come out. You've seen the movies that have come out. And it's been a farce. It's been a hoax. And it's a major stumbling block to the world who's not Christians. Therefore, no man knows the hour. But I'll tell you this, it's later than it's ever been. I'll tell you this, that right this week, this will take place. Now, who are these United Arab Emirates? By the way, uh, Abu, uh, I think it's the new uh, Abu Dhabi has come in on this same UAE, United Arab Emirates. And by the way, Many, many suggest Saudi Arabia and other countries will join this Abrahamic Accord. Let me just go back to tell you this. I found it interesting. Whether this be accurate or not, I don't know. But I did find it interesting as I did just a tad bit of research on this matter. Do you know who the United Arab Emirates are? Not necessarily uh, all of Ishmael's seed. Uh, 
There are others tracing from others in the Bible. You can do your research and study on it. I did find out, according to one source, 15% are Shiites. That's Muslims. The rest, Sunnis. Now, you realize that, for example, in Iran, that's a Shiite Muslim-dominated country that hates Israel, hates America, by the way. We're the big Satan. Israel is the little Satan. And not only that, but uh, the Saudi Arabians are Sunni Muslims. The point is this. Uh, there's a difference in the two, and I'll not go into all the details other than telling you it goes back to a leadership principle that one felt like they would follow Muhammad's seed. The other said it really didn't matter. Bottom line is they'll fight each other, but you let something happen to America, and they'll come together and fight America, or they'll fight Israel as well. Now listen, beloved, if you're not interested in this, I trust that the Lord will stir your heart. Because we're living in a day and a time when God's people seem to just check out when we start talking about the Bible. It seems like we just are interested in stuff that we maybe verse here and verse there, and there's a shallowness of Christianity today. I'm telling you, this COVID virus has separated a lot of people who are real shallow. Why, it looked like they were real spiritual, and I'm not saying everybody, but even people sitting in church today. Watch this. I'm not being critical, but I've really been burdened in praying about this. Many people today, I'm just being honest, many Christians are not reading their Bible. They're not praying, and, uh, th and they're really not confessing their sin. We're living at a time when things are happening in our world, and especially when the church doors shut down, it really shows our true colors. It shows, and, and the way people are acting today in churches and the response of Christian people. Tell me, are you reading your Bible? Tell me, are you praying? Tell me, are you confessing your sin? Oh, no, I'm mad. And that's the average Christian today. We're mad. We're frustrated. We look at the TV and the rioting and the hoopla and the bedlam that's going on in our streets. It makes us angry. But wait a minute. While all that's true and I can't change that, I can search my heart and say, God is me standing in the need of prayer. And rather than letting the enemy deceive me and get me in a state of complacency or a state of vexation because of what's going on, I suggest to you the Lord is calling us, America, Christians, back to Him. Well, what's going on here and what's going on? Where's the future here? Well, I don't know, but I know this. As I mentioned, I thought I would uh, last, as yesterday and last night, as I was trying to get this together, I said, well, maybe we can get a map and see geographically where we're talking about United Arab Emirates. And then furthermore, did you know last week for the first time, and I'm going to tie this in with the Scripture, last week for the first time, there was an air flight over the airways of Saudi Arabia. First time. And it's because of this United Arab Emirates Abrahamic Accord. Now, uh, parenthetically speaking, you've been watching the news. Our President Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Why? Because of this historic event bringing the Arabs and Israel together. Now, I did read where Netanyahu has been working on this since 2009. Now, I'm aware, and you're aware too, listen, that this is election year. I'm not naive enough to understand it's election year. Okay? However, I'm telling you the Word of God is going to be fulfilled. Now, again, where is Saudi Arabia in the mix? Let me just throw in some Bible prophetic future. Psalm 83 has a lot to talk about the Ishmaelites. Hello. And how they will fit into God's end time scenario. In fact, you read in Ezekiel 38 and 39 of Iran, Persia is listed in chapter 38 and verse 5. Magog, Gog, Gog being Russia in chapter 38, verse number 2. Gog and Magog, this coalition of nations, Meshach, Tubal, Tugarma, Turkey. Hey, Turkey is not in this mix at all. Erdogan, the, uh, the uh, mastermind behind the modern-day Turkey, and I had the privilege of going to Istanbul a few years ago, he is adamantly opposed to anything that relates to Israel and the United States. He Make no mistake about it. He wants to be the leader of a caliphate to conquer the world, a Muslim Islamic world. Therefore, 
Turkey is rejecting all of this. And furthermore, they're uh, uniting with Iran, Rouhani, and the regime of Iran. I want to tell you that Iran is mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, verse 5, as an enemy of Israel as well. And then other enemies of Israel will come against this uh, nation. I said uh, Meshach, Tubal, Tagarma. Other nations in Psalm 83 are listed. By the way, Daniel chapter 11 is also a reference. You see, a lot of people just read the Bible, just what they, you know, one verse here and two verses here. And, 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 and we, we love those verses. I love them too. But I tell you, God wants the people of God to understand the times in which we're living. And the Lord wants us to know not just what's going on in America, but that we can have a biblical worldview. Our children need to have a biblical worldview. Our grandchildren need to have a biblical worldview. The millennial generation, many of them care less about what I'm talking about today. Care less. Why? Because, uh, I don't know, I think it's some deception. I think it's a, uh, a blinders over our eyes. And many Christians, adults, care less of what I'm talking about when it comes to the Scripture. I'll tell you what, it brings hope to me. It brings uh, great hope to know what the future is for the great red dragon. We're still talking about Israel, the great red dragon, how he loves to attack Israel. Why? I'll tell you why. Because if he can thwart or divert the plan of God through Israel like he tried in the killing of the babies through Pharaoh and through all of his plots and plans, namely man falling in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 and all of his devices uh, that he has uh, attempted through the last 6,000 years as some allude or perhaps a little bit more, They've all failed. Why? Because God is on the throne. But this is very interesting, beloved, uh, as to what's going on. By the way, you can't see the map probably in the back. <laughs> Advantage sitting up front. These two right here, can you see these words right here? Medina, Mecca. These are two strategic places of the Muslim. Matter of fact, the two most important sites in Islam. Mecca, Medina, and the third site is Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. While we're talking about Bible prophecy, can I just go on record? I didn't plan to say it, but I'll say it and move on. Did you know right now at the Temple Mount in Israel, I heard a report last week, they found great discoveries, archaeological findings that have verified uh, history in the making. The artifacts of uh, the times past have been revealed, however... Due to the WAF, have you heard of the WAF? It's the Islamic Trust who has control over the Temple Mount, namely in Jordan, the, nation, the country of Jordan. You see Jordan right up here. When I'm not talking about a man, I'm talking about a country, okay? They control, and why, I don't understand how and why they gave them access. However, I'll say this. You know what they did when they discovered a, a place, that a hole that... that a hole in the temple, and all of a sudden the archaeologists dived in there to try to discover things. The Muslims covered it up. They put concrete on it as fast as they could. And that's not only happened here recently, that's happened in years past. So could that be one reason why there are not more discoveries and not, not more archaeological findings in the Temple Mount? Absolutely. In fact, in the 90s, they felt like they discovered a wall down below the Temple Mount, but the Muslims covered it up, the, the concrete, as fast as they could. Have you wondered about that? I wondered about that when I was over in Israel. All we're saying is this, the great red dragon is attacking Israel, and though uh, this Abrahamic Accord is in the making now, I've read the Bible, and I know how this thing's going to turn out. I think this is very interesting in the light of what we're dealing with here today. Now, we move now from this Abrahamic Accord. Why, why is it important to have peace in the Middle East? And the Bible gives references to this matter of peace in the Middle East. By the way, where does American Bible prophecy? I'm asked that quite often. I do not see American Bible prophecy. No, no, not, not after the rapture of the church. There's no reference to America per se unless America is listed in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 1 and verse 2 and 3. Verse 1 of Zechariah, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. God says, I'll gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. 
and the Lord shall go forth to fight against the nations as he did in the day of battle. Where's American Bible prophecy? If America's left after the rapture of the church, then America will join in the other nations to attack Israel. I'm glad at least for this moment, see if you agree with me, at least we've got a president that's pro-Israel. Talk to me. How many of y'all know our president's pro-Israel? Raise your hand if you know it. Raise your hand if you don't care. Okay, thank you. It is, and it's important because we are blessed when we bless Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6 declares. And so, uh, things have changed, and there's a battle royal going on, and I'm not just talking about a political statement, but you do realize the political leads to the prophetical. You do realize that, don't you? For example, Revelation 17, 17 says, God put it in the heart of kings to fulfill his will. You do know over there in uh, Psalm, uh, Proverbs, rather, chapter 21, verse 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever way he will. You do realize that George Washington, when he opened up the Bible on the day of his inauguration, April the 30th, 1789, he had his hand on the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 49, and you know what he did? He kissed his Bible. Have you ever read that in history? Probably not. Did you know a man named James Garfield in 1881, a president who was inaugurated as president of the United States, opened this Bible to Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whatsoever way he will. He too kissed the Bible. You probably hadn't read that in secular history, have you? However, I want to remind you that uh, righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. That's Proverbs 14, 34. But I love Psalm 33. You want to write it down? Psalm 33, 9, 10, and 11, and 12. 10, 11, 12. The counsel of the heathen should be brought to naught. And the word counsel there is the word advice. But the counsel of the Lord stands forever. And that means the advice of the Lord stands forever. Do you know what the word forever is? It's the word olam. And olam means forever. And then that famous verse 12, all I'm doing is sharing with you Psalm 33, verse 9, well, verse 10, 11, and 12. Do you know when this was written? It was written in a national crisis. Did you know that? Psalm 33 was written at a time of a nice national crisis. How many of y'all think we're facing a national crisis in America? Anybody? All right, one, two, three, four. I think we are. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's say that together. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. One more time. Do you believe that? I believe that. One nation under God. Wait a minute. I just happen to have a, a bill in my pocket. You know what it says on the back of that bill? In God we trust. Every coin, every dollar has in God we trust. Question, do we really trust God? Some trust in chariots, some in horses. We will remember the name of the Lord, our God. Do we really trust God? Hey, look, we can put the blame at the White House or the courthouse, but really the question is your house and my house. Are we doing what we ought to do? Are we confessing our sins? If my people who are called by my shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. I know that was written to Israel. But wait a minute. That's some biblical principles to Christians today as well. I derived that from James chapter 4. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. We're not doing that today, are we? The average Christian today is really not confessing our sins. Why not? Can we expect a revival if we're not going to deal with the stuff that God sees in our life? Are we putting the blame on everybody else, the politicians and the stuff going on? While others are looking to the White House, God's looking to the church house. Is there going to be peace in the Middle East? 
Now, I know you'd rather not hear this kind of preaching. I'd rather not preach it. I told the Lord this morning, Lord, I sure would rather preach something that was going to be, you know, tickle ears and, and just cotton candy. But wait a minute. The Lord says, you can obey me or you're not. So, here it is. We got to deal with it. We got to deal with it. Is there really going to be peace in the Middle East? Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, after the rapture of the church. Notice what he said. He said, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. When they say, shall say, peace and safety. When they shall say, peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail of a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Can I just say this just came to mind? Do you realize in the book of Ezekiel 38 that the days when the attack of this confederation of alignment of nations happens to Israel, do you realize what will be taking place in Israel? It will be a time of peace and safety. Unwalled cities. Really? You mean Israel will be at peace? When has Israel ever been at peace? Have they ever been at peace? 1948, when they were established as a nation. Has Israel ever been at peace? The answer is no. But here's a peace accord on the table. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I think this will happen. This event that I mentioned in Ezekiel 38, 39 will happen right after the rapture of the church. When, watch this, I didn't plan to say this, but I feel led to say it. There's going to be a hook and a jaw leading these coalition of nations, Russia. And by the way, China is going to be the kings of the east. We've read that from the book of Revelation. See, a lot of people read the book of Revelation and think this has no relevant practical application today. We're seeing, on the contrary, we're seeing nations lining up what God said, and we know that the word of God has been fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. These nations will have a hook and a jaw. They're going to be drawn down to Israel. Why? There's speculation. Some, and it is referenced gold and silver. By the way, did you know that the Dead Sea is the lowest place on planet Earth? Did you know that it's 1,300 feet below sea level? Did you know everything drains down to the Dead Sea? Do you know right now that there's speculation that silver and gold, or, or at least some say, I don't know, but perhaps it's at the bottom of the Dead Sea. I don't know what's going to draw these nations down to the south. I can only guess. But I'm telling you this, it's going to happen. And I'm telling you this, God's going to intervene. I'm telling you this, five, six of their army is going to be broken. And that's why I believe the Islamic regime is not going to be the armies in the end time with the Antichrist. Rather, that army will be broken, five, six of the army. The armies of the Antichrist will come across the Euphrates River. These kings of the east will merge in the valley of Megiddo. And as I've mentioned, the battle of Armageddon will take place. Abrahamic Accord. The devil, the great red dragon, is out to devour Israel. The man-child has been delivered. The virgin Mary, you shall bring forth a child. He shall call his name Jesus. He'll to save the people from their sins. But wait a minute. Is this a pseudo-peace in the Middle East? Is this a pseudo-peace in the Middle East? That is, is this a false peace? There's been war from day one with Esau and Jacob from their mother's womb. You've read it, hadn't you, in the book of Genesis? There's two nations warring in your womb. Jacob is and Esau. And the, again, Abraham's Ishmael and Isaac. All of this is unfolding and will unfold. Peace in the Middle East. Oh, very interesting, Pastor. Watch out. The devil's been bad. There's a war in heaven. There's a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against the angels. Prevail, prevail not. Neither was a place found in them anymore. Can I just throw out three, three thoughts about this, and I'll move on. Number one, did this happen uh, when um, Lucifer rose up and was ejected out of heaven, described in Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14? Is that the reference to this event right here? Some say yes. Some say this was a reference to after Christ was crucified, was buried, and rose again, this event took place. 
We know that Lucifer was indeed ejected out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. However, many believe, I personally lean toward the end time scenario because after you read these verses, you find out that the Lord said, the devil knows his time is short. Verse 12 following this reference. Therefore, it appears that Lucifer was thrown from the third heaven to the first heaven and then will be thrown down to the earth. Whatever the uh, reference is, at least it's a typology to all the above. The devil's been bad. The devil's been bad. The devil's been bad. He's not only cast out, he's not only attacked Israel and attacked uh, the angels, but he also deceives the whole world. The word deceive is Plano. It means to mislead. Can I tell you Christians can be deceived? Paul said in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Whatever a man sows, that's what he also reaps. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You see, we think that we can serve God on this one hand, but on the other hand, we can live in the flesh and, and reap spiritual benefits. It's not going to happen. Too much carnality in our life. Can we expect the blessings of God if we're going to walk in the flesh? Absolutely not. And Paul makes reference to that in Galatians chapter 5. Now listen, I'm not talking about regeneration. Once you're saved, thank God. Initially, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about sanctification. I'm talking about the whole Christian life. Living it after. Living a life, uh, not perfection, mind you, but a life confessing our sins not being carnal and worldly. And that's the big deception. The devil's misleading us, thinking we're all right. And you're just as good as any other Christian. After all, right now, the coronavirus is hit, and everybody's just getting slack. It, it, you don't have time to pray and, and talk with somebody about their relationship with God. The enemy's working on us. The Bible, yeah, the preacher, that's his job. He's supposed to do it. But, but you know, when you look in the real world, it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. It's cutthroat mentality. And you've got to... Fight just like they do. Get on their level. Cutthroat mentality. Dog eat dog. And then we think the church ought to operate that way. What a deception from the devil. You see what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The devil cast them out. And, uh, and then notice, he says, a louder voice saying, salvation, strength, and kingdom of God, the power of Christ for the accuser, the accuser, the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused him before God day and night. Can I prove that the devil, the great red dragon, is busy today? How many of y'all heard of Liberty University? One of the largest Christian universities in the world. Have you been hearing what's happened? The president, Jerry Falwell, and his wife, Becky. The devil hit them, knocked them down. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you think you're exempt from the devil doing that? You know what happened. Bad decisions. Somebody says, I'm saved, it don't matter how I live. Yeah, yeah. If you go 150 miles an hour down Jackson Lake Road and you get in a wreck and get killed, don't blame that on God. Hello. You smoke 10 packs of cigarettes in two days and you get cancer, don't blame that on God. I can't hear you. We are free marital agents. We make our own choices. And often we reap what we sow, beloved. I wish I didn't have to say that. Now, there's two thoughts I have about this situation with liberty. Y'all listen. Don't think it can't happen to you or me. Two thoughts. On the one hand, my heart was broken when I heard it. And those of you who do not know what I'm talking about, the first incident was revealed on some kind of page Facebook or uh, social media, Jerry Falwell Jr., who's the son of Jerry Falwell, who founded Liberty University, biggest university, Christian university. He was shown in a picture with his pants zipped down, holding a drink with his arm around a lady that wasn't even his wife who was pregnant. There was a lot of discrepancies about that picture. I don't know all the ramifications and the background by it, but I do know I saw it, and uh, I was concerned. I was praying, okay? And the sec next thing you know, it revolves and things begin to get uncovered. I'm telling you, what a man sows, that's what he reaps. Hello. Brother, sister, that's important that we confess our sins. We can be deceived. 
I'm telling you, you can get the church, you can sit here every Sunday and just go through the motions, and yet the enemy can deceive you. Next thing you know, you've come to find out, and I'm just telling you what the report is, that his wife, Becky, has been sleeping with a pool boy for years, or at least months. They met a pool boy down in Miami, Florida. Now, the account says that she's been sleeping with him, sexual relationships outside the marriage, and evidently Jerry Jr. approved it. I don't know. All I'm saying is he resigned. He resigned as president. It was a sad, sad day in America. It breaks my heart. I'm not throwing rocks at Jerry Jr. I'm sorry and I'm burdened and I wished it wouldn't have happened. But it did. And that's why I'm preaching messages like today, to keep us from going down the same road. Does that make sense? A stitch in time saves nine. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. I know you'd rather not hear preaching about judgment and chastisement of God. We, we, we wanna, we, we, we're just anti-authoritative in our world and we want to turn a deaf ear. But God knows I need it and you need it too to keep us from the attacks of the enemy. There's some things you can't see and I can't see. On the one hand, I'm saddened. It's a disgrace to the Christian world. Lost world looks and says, uh-huh, all you Christians, same way. You're no different than I am. Forget your Jesus, right? It's a stumbling block. But on the other hand, listen to me. Y'all listen to me. The devil's after everybody, not just Jerry Falwell, Jr. Anybody can, can fall. Hear me? Anybody can fall. Anybody can fall. Any one of us in this place can fall. Don't think you can't. Just because you're not president don't mean you can't fall. Third, somebody ought to pick them up. I find that from the scripture. Bear one of those burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. When a brother falls, yes, the consequences are irrevocable. However, it's up to us not to throw rocks at them, rather, rather if a man be overtaken a fault, you with your spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one of those burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. It's easy to, when somebody falls, nah, neither what none to him anyway. Start criticizing. I'd never do that. Be careful. Be careful what you say you'll never do. All I'm saying is this is relevant today to you and to me. We need God. We need the protection of God. The devil's bad, but Jesus is good. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto death. I'm about finished. Prevailing over the great red dragon. I heard about a zookeeper unlocked the gate of a hungry lion. People ran and said, you're not going in that, you're not going in that gate with that man-eating lion, are you? The zookeeper opened the gate and went in. Looked at him and said, the lion doesn't have any teeth. I'm not afraid of the lion. <laughs> I want to tell you, Jesus Christ has defeated the devil. Now, he's real. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But today, right now, where you're at, they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, loved not their lives unto death. Hey, can I be honest with you? See if you'll be honest with me. I'm done now. See if you'll be honest with me. Y'all look up here just a minute, please. How many to be honest? Don't raise your hand. How many to be honest, honest, honest with God right now that you've lost a little ground since last year? Don't raise your hand. You've lost a little ground spiritually. Once upon a time, you had a heartbeat for God. Man, there wasn't anything you wouldn't do for the Lord. But now, you kind of, kind of get a little bit different about stuff 
it, it happens, beloved. I love you as your pastor. It can happen to anybody, me, anybody. This is the way the enemy's working today. I wonder if you'd stand to your feet right now. And some of you today, some of us, some listening today, need to get really honest with God and say, Lord, I've let a lot of things slip. I've just been compromising. I've been excusing. And by the way, you can side with the enemy. You can, people have good intentions. They can claim to be spiritual and tell you this, that, and the other. And if you're not careful, if you're not walking to the light as he is in the light, you can be deceived. I can be deceived. Things seem to be logical and spiritual. We can justify our lifestyle. Anybody can take the Bible and make it sound whatever they want it to sound. Tell me, have you gotten a critical attitude toward the church? Are you critical toward Christians? All indications. There might be some stuff you need to confess today. God is me. I have to do that every day because I find myself being critical. Y'all ever find yourself being critical? Bless God, I've been in church, you know what I mean? At least I'm going. Well, God's saying it's not what's on the outside that matters, it's what's on the what? Inside. Let's pray for our families right now. Let's pray for each other for right now. Let's pray for our nation right now. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem right now. Father, oh, Lord, we stand in need. Our nation stands in need. Our churches stand in need. Your people stand in need. I stand in need of, oh, God, mighty revival, spiritual awakening. Oh, Lord. I pray that you'll forgive us of all the ways we've justified the things that have gone on today and, and Lord, how the enemy has uh, caused us to drift away from you and your holiness and your righteousness. God, work in us, work through us, work on us, dear Lord, today. Bring us into freedom, bring us into victory. I know you love us. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we're so seeds to the spirit rather than the flesh. God, please set us free. Crucify the flesh, we pray. Bring us under your lordship. And I do pray for Jerry Falwell, his wife Becky. Oh, Lord, it breaks my heart what they're going through. God, please. Your will be accomplished there and the school of Liberty University. Lord, no doubt now there are stigma all throughout this world. Oh, God, the enemy is attacking us. Help us to come together as your people, to love each other, to pray for each other so much more as the day approaches for you to come. Thank you for what you're up to in this nation and in your churches. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to serve you. God, help us to be faithful to you. Call us home, we pray in Jesus' name, the name above every other name. We lift up our families, our marriages, our children, our grandchildren, Pray, dear God, to give us grace to know how to love unconditionally and yet not compromise your word in Jesus' name.